Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You may have heard this saying in films or read it in stories. It's a somewhat mysterious saying meant to communicate a hope in the student that when the teacher does appear, the student will be confirmed that they are on the right track, that they are making progress in their efforts. A similar phrase may be compared in the popular baseball movie, Field of Dreams. If you build it, he will come. The main character of that film had to sacrifice his livelihood in order to attain his dream. And so he built a baseball park in the midst of his cornfields and waited for the right baseball player to arrive. These sayings rely heavily upon the preparations of the students. <clears throat> so you cannot just sit back and relax and expect everything to go right for you. For the idea follows then that you have to put in your work and good things will happen for you and go forth for you in the ways of this world. Now, St. Paul writes a phrase that may sound like it could be in the same vicinity, the same camp as the ones just mentioned. In our epistle reading for this morning, St. Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Sounds as though certain requirements had been met. And now God's plan for man's salvation was put into action. But what did the fullness of time truly mean? And what possible requirements would be met for the coming of the Christ, the very Son of God in flesh? Now one might venture to say, as others have throughout the past, that the Jews themselves had reached a level of spiritual maturity that inspired the Son of God finally to enter into this world. Many of the Jews in Jesus' day were led by the Pharisees' teachings that said that if the Jewish people could keep the Torah, then the Messiah would come. All 613 of their Levitical laws would have to be rightly observed, and then God's Redeemer would enter this world. If they could keep it, all of it, for just a brief moment at least, it would usher in the time of God's people upon this earth once more. And while one might be tempted to think in such ways, what is actually truer to the point is that the Jewish people in Jesus' day were actually far removed from the very faith of their forefathers. They were not looking for a remedy for their sin anymore like their patriarchs had done. Instead, what they were looking for was a political figure, a hero to rescue them from the hands of their enemies and deliver them once again into greatness and prosperity in the eyes of this world. In fact, it could easily be argued that the Jews were at their very spiritual 
lowest point when this fullness of time had come. Truthfully, there is no real way to know what that fullness of time really described or how it can be measured or marked. Paul writes these words truly as revelation from God to him and then through his hand to others. And so the fullness of time, what we can gather about it, it is according to God's perception of history, not of ours. God Himself had appointed the proper time, the best time, for the coming of His chosen one. And many have solidly speculated about some of the elements of that timing, why it happened when it did. One included that it was the Pax Romana, the time of peace in the Roman Empire, when infrastructure was the focus and roadways made better for the spread of the gospel message. Another would argue that it was the very spreading of the faithful Israelites in the diaspora throughout the region outside of Israel proper that made it the right time. Well, God in His perfect wisdom knows the perfect time. And that is when He sends forth His Son. God in His Word throughout the Scriptures can be seen as defining history into two eras. That of the former days, we hear in the Scriptures, and that of the latter days. Former days can be defined as those days leading up to the time of the Christ, the coming of the Messiah, with the latter days being those days after the Messiah has come and up until His return on the last day. And the prophets' prophecies usually found their fulfillment in the former days, but also have their ultimate fulfillment in the latter days. So no one can be truly certain just how many years were there in the former years. For the measuring of time has been inconsistent through different cultures throughout our history. For example, the Old Testament people did not consider their years of life as before Christ or B.C. as we do now who know when the Christ has already come. And lunar calendars measuring the time of the moon's cycle do not track time quite the same way as our modern ones do. <clears throat> Numbers do get used in prophetic literature to communicate meaning, to communicate ideas of wholeness and of completeness by God's design. One of those blessed numbers is that of seven. There have been occasions in the Old Testament when that number seven represents the totality of the world's years, of our history. Half of seven, of course, is three and a half, which would then communicate either the former days or the latter days, one half of the world's total years. And interestingly enough, Matthew's record of Jesus' genealogy is broken down into three groups of 14 generations each, equaling a total of 42 generations. And that number of generations divided by the number that is representative of the entirety of the Old Testament faithful and the New Testament faithful, the number 12, gives one the number Three and a half. 
And while not exactly able to calculate the number of years in that era of the former years, one could see just how the grouping of generations can break down accordingly. So what all of this demonstrates is not a code breaker on what exactly the Christ would come in what era of history, or to be used in figuring out when He will come again. What it does reveal is that God's timing is always perfect, as is His thinking regarding His creation. The Lord Jesus was sent into this world, as Paul says, in the fullness of time. And He will be sent back on the day when that time is full again for His return, whenever that day may be. And whenever that day may be, we can look forward to that day in the greatest of hopes and in confidence of our salvation and our redemption all because of what happened at the first occurrence of the fullness of time. For at that very moment, our Lord Jesus was born into this world. Born under the law. So that we might be adopted into God's family, truly as His sons. And Jesus Entrance into this world as God in human flesh is the turning point for all of human history. Until Christ's first coming, the faithful people of God were looking forward to that coming with great excitement. And since His coming, the faithful people of God have been looking back to that time of Jesus' first coming, but also forward to His return. And when Jesus was born here into this world, Everything was changed, even though it may not have appeared as so. But truly, glory was restored to man's nature. The glory as those created in the image of God was greatly tarnished in the fall into sin. But the Son of God, being born into this human form, born of a woman, once more lifts mankind and even more so, to oneness with the Son of God. For God's Son did not become an angel. God's Son did not become an animal creature. But He became a man to save us from our sin and to give us everlasting life. He has set us free to be the sons of God, no longer as slaves to sin. And so in the fullness of time, when that moment was truly right and perfect as God had planned it, the Lord God gave to us Christmas. Our Savior from sin was born into this world, entered into this creation to live under His own law for our salvation. The Lord Jesus bore in Himself our human flesh in all of its frailties and weaknesses. He bore it to the cross, and there He died in our place as God in flesh. His incarnation made possible the crucifixion, and thus our 
salvation. And because of that first Christmas day, we can now look forward to the fullness of time when it does come again on the last day. And again, that day will be according to God's perfect timing. It will not come too soon. And it will not come too late. And there is nothing that you or I can do to speed that time up or to slow it down. But we can look forward to it with real joy, fulfilling our vocations that God has given us all because of Christmas. Because the one true God was born of woman. You are now redeemed by Jesus' precious blood. You are adopted into God's holy family as sons through the waters of baptism. Because of that, dear adoption, you are also heirs, ready to inherit eternal life and all of God's riches in His kingdom. And when that time is right, when all is complete at the fullness of time, He, the Lord Jesus, will come again for you. Amen. The peace that does pass all of our human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.